0: a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker. You'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, you guys, welcome to the show. This is the Other People Podcast. I'm Brad Listie in Los Angeles. It is nice to be with you. I appreciate you listening, and I hope you're doing all right wherever you are. Today is Friday, so I'm going to be doing another flashback episode where I dig into the Other People archives and share with you a golden oldie, an outtake from an episode of yore. Today, it's episode 564 and a conversation that I had with author and visual artist Brad Phillips. The episode first aired on February 13th, 2019. Brad Phillips is a native of Canada. He is a very accomplished visual artist. His work has been exhibited all over the planet. He is noted for his photorealist style of painting, for his dark imagery, his dark humor, for his engagement with subjects like mental illness, addiction, shame, sexuality, and pop culture. When I spoke with Brad Phillips, it was here in this garage. He was in this room with me and he was celebrating the publication of his debut collection of short stories entitled Essays and Fictions, which was published by Tyrant Books. It was a very memorable conversation. That is what I can tell you. One of the better ones I've had over the years, and I'm excited to share an outtake from it with all of you in just a bit. Don't forget to subscribe to this show wherever you listen. You can also subscribe on YouTube, follow the Other People podcast on social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Blue Sky. You can subscribe to my weekly email newsletter over at Substack. I let you know about the latest episodes of the show each week. I also share a list of things that I have been reading and finding interesting. So if that sounds good, head on over to Substack and subscribe to my newsletter. Likewise, you can join the Other People Patreon community over at patreon.com slash otherpplpod. Help keep this show going into the future. All right, so it's time for today's flashback. I am turning back the clock to February of 2019, episode 564 and my conversation with brad phillips i think he is to this very day the only author that i have ever interviewed on this show who is named brad <laughs> so there's that as well and uh, just a great time meeting him and talking with him and a reminder that if you like what you hear in this outtake in this flashback and you would like to listen to the full conversation with Brad Phillips, it is in the feed. Just look for episode 564. You'll find it and you can listen. All right. So let's get to it. Here I am back in 2019 talking with Brad Phillips.
1: I think because I have such a long career as an artist that if I were to flip my change my name now i would just fuck myself well i kind of feel like that too at least within the literary community
0: because i've done this show i've always, i published my first book under brad yeah
1: yeah, at, yeah you know
0: at some point you just gotta
1: own it and then bradley's kind of infantilizing like a few people who know me well will call me bradley is but... that your
0: is that your given name
1: yeah i'm just brad you're just brad <laughs> i didn't even get the bradley oh wow you lucked out <laughs> really well when someone calls me bradley i feel like i'm nine oh okay you know like hey little bradley i feel like Bradley's like slightly better than brad it's not it's not it's not at all well,
0: congratulations for um, like being a cool artist with the name Brad.
1: I'm trying, yeah. You were doing great, man. There's no other artist named Brad. I mean, there's not a lot of artists named Dwayne or Todd. Right. Right? Like, these are the names. And I wonder sometimes if they're self- Fulfilling. That's what I, th- that's what I wonder too. Yeah, me too. Sometimes,
0: because like, sometimes I'll look at somebody's name and I'll be like, oh, of course he's a fucking like great author. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause because his name's Edwin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I yeah, know. yeah, yeah.
0: I know. But it's like, you have the coolest name ever. It's like, of course things are going to work out. Like I can get into that like mode of thinking. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. But we gotta, I gotta break it. I gotta break the spell. I mean, this is the name that I was given. It's not my fault.
1: No, it's not your fault. It's not my fault either. My dad at this time, he was like he was obsessed with the old Testament. So he wanted to call me Zebediah, which would have been a good name. But my mom was like, absolutely not. You're a fucking lunatic. We're calling him Brad. It was a last minute choice. Damn. But I know an artist named Jedediah Caesar. Um, but like Zebediah, Habidiah, is fucked up. You could have been Zeb, though. Zeb's, Zeb.
0: Zeb's kind of like uh, eccentric. and He
1: also sounds like an industrial music DJ from Austria. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Just a nihilist. Yeah, With yeah, like some yeah. beats. Yeah. Uh, well, you're Canadian. I am. Born yeah. in? I was born in Toronto in 74. I moved to Vancouver in late 2002 after I got divorced from my first wife. We were married for like three months. And after we broke up, we were like signing the thank you notes for our wedding gifts. (laughs) But I didn't want to explain to a lot of my friends who came to the wedding, like why I was leaving. So I just Irish exited the entire city. What does that mean? You just took off? You ghosted? Didn't say goodbye. Just left. And a friend of mine had a place in Vancouver. It was like the last cottage in the Lower East Side. I paid like 50 bucks for rent. It was a wood heated stove. I didn't like it there, and then I met a woman, and then I took a walk five blocks to, like, the biggest open drug market in North America, and I was like, you either need to get the fuck out of here or stay here, and I decided to stay, and it just slowly, like, the city just killed me.
0: Vancouver did.
1: Yeah, because I, people are really unaware of, like, Vancouver is always sold as, like, the best city on Earth, and there's these mountains and skiing, but there is, like, a four-square block huge open drug market that the cops don't fuck with what's it called downtown east side like hastings in maine and there'd be people shooting up in their neck like naked and the cops just leave it all alone just sort of like i'm thinking of like
0: christiana and copenhagen
1: it's a bit like that but just way grimier and you know just everybody robbing each other and you just put your hand out and somehow heroin lands in it so and my drug problem at the time was already not good. And going to Vancouver, I was like, maybe you can sort yourself out. And I was just like, I'm fucking trapped here right away. When did you start leaving. with drugs? And I was like 16. And was it immediately? Like, Heroin was like the first thing. There's a first one? Yeah. That's yeah. an unusual story. Yeah. It was like before I tried cigarettes or alcohol. It How was, did somebody was just like, here, you want like what's it? Someone gave it to me as you a You smoke gift. it? Someone gave me like half a key to sell and I was like, well, I should try it first. And I didn't sell it. <laughs> that was the end. That was the end. That's yeah, the story. That's how I ended up dropping out of high school. I got offered like a full run basketball scholarship. And, but my drug problem was already getting so crazy that I just dropped out of high school. I didn't take the scholarship. Like, like I don't Jim have high Carole. school diploma. Yeah, I know. It is kind of like no high school diploma. I went to art school for about four months and got kicked out because I spent my tuition on drugs and fuck.
0: So wait, what? Uh, let's go back for a second. You're in,
1: born in Canada. Your parents... My parents are both born in Toronto. My mom's side, they all came from Scotland. My grandparents... Um, my dad's side, I don't really know too much about. So, so you have they... a relationship with him? No, not at all. There's only one person left, my dad's sister. My, grand, my grandparents died. My dad died in 96, so... It's just this one woman, and I'm only really nice to her because she has the house, the big house, and me and my sister are the only people who would inherit. So we just try to maintain a civil relationship. With your mom? With my aunt, my oh, dad's sister. Oh, right, okay. Uh, but, you know, she's a fucking, she's a weird person. But it's just it's a beautiful old brick house in an expensive part of Toronto that's already been paid for. So... Yeah, it's good to have real estate. It she's is in these cities too. It's like I know it's murder trying but to get get a place to live. It is. It's impossible. And she seems like she won't die too, which is a problem. <laughs> She'll live to be like a hundred twelve. <laughs> yeah, like my mom's up. My grandmother's a hundred. Oh man, and she's miserable. She is a hundred. She is a hundred, and yeah. she's she's miserable. Yeah, because she's healthy, and, but she's bored. Like she's completely bored out of her mind. Like she has a bit of like heart problems maybe but she's mobile her brain is all together and she's wanted she's been suicidal for about 15 years she asked me to put a pillow over her face three years ago while she was sleeping (laughs) which i would have done but i was like i don't want to go to prison grandma merry
0: Merry christmas grandma
1: yeah here you go (laughs) but when i go visit and she's staying with my parents you know everyone say good night see you in the morning and she'd be like well i hope you don't damn yeah because her husband died in like 91. she's lost two of her children. Oh man, she'll get 200 pages into a book and realize she read it before she's just fucking bored. It's too old. Yeah, well, that's the thing. My mom's mom, who was not suicidal,
0: had nine children, yeah, lived to be 91, which is a good that's a good age. Yeah. Uh, but I do remember like vaguely my mom telling me that her mother had expressed to her like, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of done.
1: That's what my grandmother feels like. Like I did it. I did it.
0: Like all my friends are dying. My husband's dead. Yeah, yeah. I'm losing. You know, I don't know. I kind of
1: get that. Yeah, I get it entirely. It's just too. It's too old. Like she's one of the few World War II vets even alive in this suburb. She has like a French Foreign Legion of Honor medal, but she's just bored. She just says that I'm bored. She said no one's meant to live this long. I you know i agree I not know they say we can live to be like 140 right? i know it's too long i it's don't too want much. that i don't want that at all and then she tried uh because she's in a veteran's home now she because canada has assisted suicide for psychiatric stuff now so she told her doctor she said you know i'm really ready to go and the doctor said well you sound depressed and for assisted suicide you need to be of sound mind and body which is like you know this weird loop so they put her antidepressants for two months and they asked her afterwards, how do you feel? And she's like, well, I still want to die. You know, she's and like, I'm a hundred, I'm a <laughs> hundred. Yeah. Like pay attention. I'm a hundred. You know, do
0: you think it's possible to get to be like 120? Yeah. And to be not bored, not suicidal, not wanting to die, like at some sort of peace. And we will be right back. a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty four seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and A member FDSC.
1: And now back to the program. I guess it depends on what your experience is and your family and maybe how you view the experience of being alive. There was a guy who did a a TV show on all the stands, like Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, and apparently in Kyrgyzstan, they found a graveyard where everybody lived to be like around 130, 135. Jesus. It was because they were all from this rural area. They all made their own food. Right. They'd never had processed food. They'd never really been exposed to the things that we are here. Um, I think that's
0: it. I think also in these like blue zones or whatever, where there's like high concentrations of centenarians. Yeah. I think a lot of it is gotta be social connectivity. Yeah, for sure. Because yeah. I, you know, in the absence of that, like I feel it and I'm in my forties. I'm yeah. like, do I have any friends? Yeah, like, me too. Yeah. And it's like, I, you know, I, I know I have my family. I have two kids and yeah. like, I cherish that, but it's like, man it gets harder as you get older i think at least for me yeah to maintain strong social bonds
1: it does yeah with
0: with depth you know and real connectivity and reliability and consistency
1: yeah like when i moved back to toronto the few friends i had were either still addicts or they're parents now so i really just disconnected from them so I, i literally don't see anyone in toronto like i don't go out Unless we go to Walmart, we go to a movie together, but when you, say, when you say we, it's you and your wife, me and my wife, Christine, but I've never needed, like, I've always been kind of naturally reclusive. Me too. So I don't feel like way. I'm missing out. Like, I don't feel like I need the interaction. And like, I talk to people like Giancarlo or Jordan, mostly every day online and Giancarlo de Trapano yeah. publisher and then Jordan uh, the Castro, editor. your editor and a few other people. And that's enough to sustain me really. Like I don't go to art openings in Toronto. There's a whole thing is that I moved to Vancouver for 11 years and my art career did very well in this way where I bypassed Canada altogether. And so certain people, it, it, Canada is a real security po- complex. So certain people were kind of bitter and resentful and they're like, oh, you're too good to show in Canada. Where I was just like, I'm just going to go where the money is like a smart person. Right. But then when I moved back to Toronto, I realized, a lot of people didn't like me. People knew my name, but had never seen me in real life. So now when I go out, if I do go out, it's this weird feeling where like, oh, it must be special. Brad Phillips is here. Then it makes me feel really gross and uncomfortable. Like I'm not special in any way. Right. And people recognize me. I don't recognize them. So I tend to just stay in. I watched YouTube, like top five, most haunted photographs, (laughs) top five, you know, strangest campsite murders. I do that. No,
0: it's like what you were just saying about people like, you know, you're too good for Canada or like sort of resenting your success is like how hard it is for human beings to truly muster empathetic joy.
1: It is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like I'm really genuinely happy for you and your success. Yeah. Yeah. Like that bums me out um you know you and you have to you have to own it in yourself too because i think there's part of human nature where you're like ah oh, you know like mm. this person's doing something i'm not doing it i i feel yeah. those twinges too but i don't like them
1: <laughs> i don't like them either and i really try to eradicate them i was talking to our, my friends who organized this show like i had a psych i had a, a psychiatrist in 2008 and he told me you know stop looking at art magazines stop looking at art websites and i took that advice and the only real downfall, if it is one, is that I don't know anything about what's happening, yeah, but I felt like art magazines and you're always comparing yourself to somebody else's career and just feeling like shit, and I was tired of it, and just in general, I think comparing yourself to other people is always a bad idea it
0: just it just makes me think of like social media, vacation photos, yeah. People like all that yeah, it gets yeah. to gets to feeling like uh,
1: burdensome. It does, and unproductive. It does. I talked because I have like such a huge Instagram following, and then we were in New York. Like five different people recognized me, and they were said, "I love your work." And I was said to one guy, "What work do you mean?" And he said, "Your Instagram." And and for me, it's hard because I've been a working artist for like twenty years. And then certain people like this art critic, Jerry Saltz, wrote about my Instagram. I've been interviewed about Instagram so many times. And my biggest fear is to die. And my tombstone is like, he had a great Instagram. Right. Because people see what you post, but they don't like, well, they won't look at your website. So they actually don't know what you do because it takes the work to click on a website. So people just associate me with Instagram and they see... Oh, you know, he has an interesting marriage. He does this, this, but they're not really sure what I do. And that's why I have all this conflict about Instagram.
0: Well, yeah, it's like, it's like quick, cheap, easy, superficial surface level. Yeah. People don't really invest.
1: No, but it's, it's kind of radically changed the art world in that I mostly make money through selling stuff on Instagram And the gallery system is kind of falling apart because...
0: That's not so bad, though. It's
1: not. It needs to be raised to the ground. Because Instagram democratizes things. So I've been able to do things in the past I would never do, which is contact a gallery I like very much. Just call, just write them. Or um, I've been offered shows. I've had a lot of things happen, but I don't really want to be on it. Right. And there's also when you have like 35,000 followers, you don't know who is who's inside the gate and looking at you. So one when we were in New York, one person that recognized me was a woman from Christie's. And she said, oh, come over. We all love your work. And I realized, okay, so people from Christie's auction house are following me. And I got a private tour of the auction. Um, you don't know who's looking. And they maybe don't ever like anything, but they're just kind of watching you. And I've talked to a few people, lurkers, lurkers. And I've talked to my friend, Daniel Arnold, who has a large Instagram and Trevor Hernandez, who has this Instagram called gang culture and about how like my account's private, but over time, the more followers you get, it starts to feel actually really creepy instead of like, Ooh, I'm doing good. I'm, you know, I don't, it starts to feel a bit creepy because also, I don't know if it's the work I make, but people are very like obsessed with me as a projection almost mm, yeah. you know and it's a kind of it's like fame it is so they they with the book too it's like they attach a lot of stuff and they have a lot of ideas about me and often they're just completely incorrect and i get the strangest messages like you saved my life or something or um well that's nice though <laughs> it's nice i guess if they're a good person and i save their life like there might be a piece of shit who should be gone you know <laughs> um Yeah. I mean, I've talked about Instagram enough. I met my wife through Instagram. So that's not all bad. That's good. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I mean, like, that's the thing we have these conflicted. I I think most of us have conflicted feelings about social media and the internet. And, you know, it's like these arguments and these conversations get circular and exhausting because you have them so much because it's such a, it's every day. It's every day. And it's also like, you know, these companies and these social media, once they, I think, get to a certain threshold, uh, of users yeah. or, per, you know, whatever you want to call them yeah. is, uh, is that y- you sort of have to, you do, yeah. you know, you want to do business as an artist today, especially if you want to have some feeling of autonomy and independence and connectivity yeah. to the people, yeah. where else are you going to go? You have to do it. Yeah. I mean, same thing with writers trying to plug a book. I mean, yeah. with the exception, I think of a few who either are just obstinate, yeah or just don't give a fuck yeah or i think more often is the case it's people who are selling enough books and making enough money that they don't need it yeah yeah and that's fine and that's a great place to be yeah but i do kind of bristle when one of those people is like social media is a a toxic you know playground for philistines and it's like well hey dude yeah yeah you
1: sold four million books last year yeah yeah exactly (laughs) um one thing we talked about when someone was asking me about Instagram is like the only way I would quit Instagram, is if I was rich enough to quit. That's, I mean, yeah, it's a luxury Yeah, to yeah. not have to be in there. And also it's a conflict. Like I have a really addictive personality. So as much as I don't like it, I post a lot of stuff and then I delete it. I like the likes and I don't want. It's dopamine. Yeah. It's dopamine. It's little, little brief, you know, eruptions of dopamine, but I, I don't want to, I don't want to have to think about Instagram.
0: All right, that was Brad Phillips in episode 564. It first aired on February 13th, 2019. A reminder that you can listen to the full episode, episode 564, if you so desire. It is in the feed. You can find Brad Phillips on social media. Follow him on Instagram. Follow him on Twitter. Check out his book, Essays and Fictions. And check out his visual art, a very talented human being. Don't forget to subscribe to this show wherever you listen. You can also subscribe on YouTube, follow the Other People podcast on social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, and Blue Sky. Don't forget to subscribe to my weekly email newsletter over at Substack. And if you would like to join the Other People Patreon community, you can do that at patreon.com slash other PPL pod. If you have a couple of minutes and you want to help me out, please give this show a rating wherever you listen. It helps this podcast in the rankings. It helps it find new listeners. If you would like to get another people t-shirt or a sweatshirt, you can do that at OtherPPL.com. And finally, if you would like to read my latest novel, it is called be brief and tell them everything. It is out there. Now, in trade paperback ebook and audiobook editions, I narrate the audiobook. So it's out there. It's an option. Again, the book is called Be Brief and Tell Them Everything. All right, so coming up on Sunday, I will be in conversation with Athena Dixon, author of a new memoir in essays entitled The Loneliness Files. That one is available from Tin House. I had a very candid and fascinating conversation with Athena Dixon. You don't want to miss it. Stay tuned.